Welcome to the Perkins Platform. This is a solutions-oriented podcast and live radio show. Each broadcast, we dedicate just about 30 minutes to explore topics of interest for leaders and professionals in education and a variety of other disciplines. And this is your host, Brian Perkins. So I am excited today. Uh, again, we have a top-notch guest that has uh, agreed to come and have a conversation with me. Um, today, we're going to be talking about uh, turnaround initiatives. And uh, as many of you already know, that uh, a, a large number of the listening audience from all over the world are uh, school-based leaders, but also uh, individuals that are in education. Now, certainly it's not everyone, but um, a large, from what we can tell, a large number of people in education leadership uh, listen in. And so part of this uh, uh, broadcast uh, has been dedicated to the kinds of topics that make educational leaders more successful. Um, just about every initiative, and it doesn't matter whether or not it is someone who is a veteran or a brand new leader going into a new school and a new district, nine times out of 10, there's some turnaround or transformation that's needed in the organization. And so today's guest is no stranger to that and has um, uh, a consulting firm and does work, but a lot of experience has been a teacher, a school counselor, school improvement specialist, an assistant principal, a principal, and an assistant superintendent, all up and down the, the pipeline and involved in turnaround efforts. And so I'm uh, really excited to have this conversation today with Dr. Letitia Woodley. Welcome, Letitia. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so glad to have you. And you know, I, I think you already know that I'm a director of a, a program that is uh, uh, dedicated to training leaders who want to be in schools. Yeah. And, and so while we have people who probably also listen in that are with nonprofits, I, I, it's probably not largely different in terms of the approach. And so I, the, I guess the first thing I'd like to do, tell me a little bit about yourself. And I, you know, I, I know that you started out as a teacher and then you end up here uh, being really widely recognized as an expert in turnaround. Um, so uh, tell me a little bit about your path uh, to where you are now. So um, a little bit about my path. I had a very non-traditional um, path toward uh, educational leadership. Um, and I tell people um, I have seven degrees and a whole lot of student loans because I was trying to figure life out and trying to figure <laughs> out what I wanted to do and what I wanted to be. But interestingly enough, um, education was not my first choice. Um, I uh, started out as a medical assistant and I uh, met this attorney Ooh. who actually um, I met me and was like, you can read medical records. I want you to come work for me. And so I went um, to work for him and I was a paralegal um, for him. And we did a lot of work in uh, medical malpractice and criminal defense. And it was at that point um, that uh, I decided I wanted to go through it, go down a different path. The attorney, we had so much success in criminal defense work. He wanted to send me back to school to get my, um, become an attorney. Oh, and wow. we were in a um, death penalty case. Um, when I, I had taken the LSAT, I had done everything. I was ready to go to law school. 
and um, in a death penalty case where we were um, defending a young man that was a teenager, um, 16 years old, that was on trial for murder. And he wrote a confession in all lowercase letters saying, I saw, he saw, I ran. And in Georgia, if you are the attorney at the time um, when I was working that you had um, and you did a death penalty case and you lost the case, you had to go and watch that person die. Right. So it was high stakes, of course, when you're dealing with death penalty, sure. but to know that you carry that burden with you forever. Yes. And yes. in that moment, I said, you know what? I want to make a difference in the lives of kids before they get to this um, courtroom. I want to be in the right lineup, the lineup that's going to get them a high school diploma and not the lineup that's going to get them into prison. So that's when I decided to go back to college and get a master's degree in counseling psychology and a doctor's degree in counseling psychology and begin my journey in education. Oh, that's an awesome story. And and so so many uh, people that I talk to in education uh, have similar stories just in terms of that they wanted to make a difference mm-hmm. and and so uh so it's no surprising that uh you ended up where you you um are today um i i it's i too had uh and have a non-traditional pathway into education leadership and um i i i also remember uh, once that someone said to me, I think you missed your call. Um, and and I just kind of laughed like, there's no way you, you're going to get me in classrooms, uh, whatever. I'm on my way uh, to do other great things in which mm-hmm. I, I have no uh, regrets about my pathway. Uh, it's just that, you know, some things you, you, they will pull you back in, even if it's mm-hmm. kicking and screaming, you can't run from <laughs> from that call. So yeah. uh so I I know that you you um have your uh strong background in counseling psychology and I know there are a number of people uh, I was the same uh that when I heard so you had clinical psychologists and developmental psychologists and counseling psychologists I I I know that there's probably someone out there just like me didn't know the difference uh mm-hmm. Could you please share uh, from your perspective the difference in what uh, counseling psychologists do that is different from, say, other uh, uh, members of the field? Yeah. So a counseling psychologist um, really focuses on um, behavior, the behavior uh, aspects of individuals to get them from where they are to where they want to be. Um, a lot of times you you think of psychologists, you think more of the research aspect of, of the work, but I actually work in, um, with one-on-one with patients um, and groups to kind of help deal with the social emotional needs of individuals to get them to get the ultimate um, response or the ultimate benefit for them living um, and addressing the issues that they have, whether it's, it's trauma, whether it's behavior modification, all those different aspects. And it has been so beneficial uh, with me having this background going into the educational piece, especially mm. now as we, uh, you know, dealing with this mental health crisis. Yes. Um, I always, um, I often say, you know, a lot of people talk about since the pandemic, the mental health crisis that we're seeing in this country, but our most promised kids have been in a pandemic before the pandemic ever existed. Yes. Yes. And so needless to say, it has been um, a center point for me and the work that I've done in turnaround education is dealing with the social emotional needs of, um, of, of communities, students, their families, and making sure we meet um, the holistic um, aspect of what students need in order for them to be successful. 
Right, right. No, that makes a lot of sense. And I can see how that background in counseling psychology uh, really played a role in um, your success and turn turnaround efforts, uh, for sure. And so to that, um, you know, turnaround, I've heard so the special programs and I've heard so much about the the strategies that one uses and usually someone starting out doesn't go in and say one day I'm going to be a turnaround specialist so it just kind of happens that they at least from people I've met that they they start this and they they are good at it yeah. and they they have a a knack for uh, motivating people to be on board, getting getting the right people on the bus, so to speak, mm -hmm. in order to make that that work. Um, for you, um, was there a specific school, or was there a specific uh, incident that happened that made you go, you know, turnaround is where I need to put my efforts. I can do, I, I'm good at this. Was it, what was it that made you realize that turnaround was something you could do? So as we talked about the, you know, the inkling for me to go into education was the um, criminal defense work. Yep. Um, and so once I finished my doctorate, prior to me going into public ed, I worked at a private school. And once I received my doctorate, I said, I want to go to the place with the most need. Mm. And people say, you crazy. What's wrong with you? <laughs> um, that's combat pay. Why would you do such a thing? Um, and so I, I, I took a position at um, Atlanta Public Schools. And I knew I was at the right place because on my way to the interview, we passed by a prison. And um, and my students would have to walk past that prison every day in order to go to school. And so I was like, I remember that conversation that I wanted to get them into the right lineup. And so um, when I got there, the school had a 40% graduation rate. And within four years of us working together as a team, um, we were able to turn that school around to get a 90% graduation rate. Wow. Um, and that school was like in the middle of one of the roughest neighborhoods in, um, in the state of Georgia. Um, what was powerful about that work um, was we received uh, some funding from the ba Gates and Melinda Foundation, Bill Gates and Melinda Foundation, to create a small schools initiative. So I had an opportunity early in my career to work hand in hand with the Gates Foundation with a lot of the research around, you know, what do you need to do with turnaround and all those different pieces. So um, it was amazing to see. Um, it was um, for the individuals involved in that work. Um, I would say that was probably one of the um, the inklings of when turnaround was really like like I, I would say um, cutthroat kind of turnaround where yes, you fire yes. everybody yes, yes. <laughs> and you start over. You everybody loses their job and you hire yes. from the ground up. So that was one of my first you know my first. Um, um, I guess I was, you know, baptized and to turn around through that initiative, sure. trying sure. to make sure that we create an atmosphere because we had a school that had been um, systemically on the failing schools list. Right. Uh, right. We were able to do some great work in that building. I can kind of elaborate some on some of the great sure. things that happened. Sure. But, well, well, you know, I was just going to add, you know, back then, um, and, and it sounds like you were involved in the work when uh, I was also studying probably at the time of, of getting my doctorate. And I remember 
those efforts and they they used to call it reconstitution right yes. so where everyone either had to reapply for their jobs but yes. if they did if they could if if the school was reconstituted it meant uh fewer than 50 percent could return right yes. and so and, and it was it was intentional that uh thinking about as a strategy that you can't do something different with the exact same people. Um, how effective do you think that was? Do you think that was a good strategy? I know we're, we're kind of limited now for a lot of reasons uh, being workforce, but do you think that was a good strategy is reconstituting a school where you can't bring back more than 50%? Well, um, you know, this good and bad to all of the turnaround initiatives. Okay. Um, but the um the 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 rationale for the reconstitution aspect is to speed up the process, right? Okay. To speed okay. up the process of being able to get people who were excited about doing the work that will go in with a fresh mind to be able to um to make sure that you know we're um identifying key competencies that it took to really implemented along the way. So it was to try to speed up the process of getting the results. Um, one thing that I do um, like to say, and even, you know, you see superintendents today when they come in, they get, you get a new superintendent, they bring in their whole new team to a particular school district and things of that nature. And what you don't want to do when you think about that type of work is the institutional knowledge is so very important. And when you remove the institutional knowledge from the a building, from a district, then it really has an impact on the ability for that school to really prosper. Mm -hmm. So you want to look at that, um, look at the, you know, bringing in new talent, yes. fresh talent with new eyes and balance that with institutional knowledge. People who know what's the tried and true, what's, you know, what, you know, um, you know, what is the heartbeat or what are the needs, you know, needs assessment. When you bring all new people in, usually you're repeating things that have already been tried. Right. And so you call, you know, you find yourself having to kind of navigate um, in the blind per se versus having some institutional knowledge on your team. Yes, yes. That that's uh uh very powerful to know that uh you you do need some institutional memory. Um and um unfortunately there are people who make that mistake of thinking that you you should just bring uh, a whole new group of people in. I mean, I, I think there may be some extreme cases that you might need to do that, but uh, definitely I can understand the the uh, the limitations of that. You mentioned new talent. Uh, how difficult has it been for you to identify uh, teachers in this? And and or what are you hearing, particularly post COVID? But how difficult was it for you when you when you were doing a turnaround initiative to to find people that were inclined to do that work? Because it's very difficult and it's different than go than being in a place that has a, an established culture that you want to keep that has uh, kind of the practices and traditions that make for a, a high achieving school, um, you gotta go find people like-minded. So how did, how did you go about doing that? 
So one of the first things um, that I would like to say, so my last assignment, I was assistant superintendent of a school district that had been unaccredited for 20 years. Um, and after going into that um, situation, we were able to work, um, bring, you know, we brought in some amazing talent. And within four years, that school district regained its accreditation after being unaccredited for two decades. Wow. So the, I would say that um, what you have to understand is a lot of times um, when you're dealing with turnaround situations, the school, the school district, um, the community um, that you work with, they come with a reputation, right? And sometimes it's difficult to attract people to that work because of the, the reputation that that particular institution may have or like I said, a, a district or, you know, even a community program. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that's so very important and what I do in all of the work that I do, anytime I take on a new, new assignment, the whole goal is to market. Um, and what are the great things that's happening? Because even in difficult situations, there are bright lights in every situation. And so when negative things happen, because they will happen, you know, usually year one of any new assignment, it's going to be the hardest, you know, the hardest assignment of your life. Year one, if you get through year one, usually you're able to see, uh, start seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. But you begin to kind of talk about what is the vision? What are the great things that are happening? And so when people start seeing, hey, they have a leader that has a vision that's excited about this work. Um, it's not doom and gloom. They're not coming around with a hammer saying what everybody is not doing, but saying great things are happening here. We're on our way to do amazing things. You need to be a part of this great work. And a lot of people want to be on a winning team. And so I've been able to successfully um, recruit people to say, I just want to come work for you. I want to see what you're doing next, you know, because I'm always advertising what, you know, the great work that we're doing. And, and that's kind of difficult sometimes, especially for women, because we're taught to be humble mm -hmm. uh, and not to be, um, and then sometimes we get a negative, you know, when you're doing that, you may get a negative uh, rap of being self-promoting and things of that yeah. nature. Yeah. Yeah. But the whole idea is that you can't be a secret agent turnaround leader. You cannot, you know, be the best kept secret in the work that you're doing. You've got to get out there. You've got to talk about the work. I call it the chitlin circuit. You got to get out there in the community. You got to sell the work. You got to sell the vision to get people on board. Um, because what we do know in turnaround, schools can't do it alone. So people need to know the great things that are happening in, in the direction that you're going in order to support you and support the work that you're doing. Sure, sure. And that's that. that's almost its own effort alone, aside from the work, it is successfully talking about the work. And I've had some experience with that. I, years ago, I was um, president of a school board for almost a decade in Connecticut. And, and what I realized was how important it was to craft messages about what was working. And, and as you mentioned, undoubtedly, there are going to be times that things go wrong. Um, taking risks is a requirement of the work that we you know, that yeah. you don't you don't risk anything your gains are going to be small and your rewards are going to be small but when you start stretching and asking people to stretch um is where you get your biggest return on investment uh i i have long been a part of a number of initiatives uh that were i mean i guess you could consider them district district-wide turnarounds, um, and there are schools of thought 
And as we mentioned, so there, there are pluses and minuses around strategies, but there's schools of thought around how you go about turning around organizations. Uh, you mentioned that you had one aspect of it was attracting talent that you as a leader, you were able to, to attract talent. So that's one thing. What are some other things that are necessary as part? So the other thing we talked about was the the uh, a campaign to let people know what you're doing. What are some of the other kinds of things that a leader has to be, has to really have on their mind in order to be successful at turnaround? Like what, mm -hmm. what, what should they keep their eye on on this dashboard? Yeah. So the first thing is going into any new work. Um, you first, you've got to do a needs assessment. You've got to do a needs assessment. You've got to get and find out what's been working, what's not working. What are the needs? What are the supports? What you know? Do you have a um, a a database of support systems that are in place currently? What are the missing links that are there? What are the gaps in services per se that are not there? Um, the other piece that you have to do is you have to listen to our stakeholders. Um, one of the one of the issues that I see most leaders go in to, um, and I talk about this a lot, they've done turnaround before. So you think they have all the answers going wow. in, right? Sure. But, you know, every school has its own DNA. Every school system has its own DNA. And yeah. so you got to pay attention to what is the DNA of this particular organization yeah. that I'm currently addressing at the moment. Yeah. So you cannot go in and bring an old strategy that worked over here and think you can just place it in this particular community and expect it to work. Um, and I like to say communities have all the resources they need in order to um, heal themselves. Yes, yes. You got to tap into those resources that are currently in those communities. What does it take? That means having community conversations. That means going out into the community, having conversations, finding out what, you know, what the issues or concerns are, having conversations with students. Now, students... Just just having conversations with students, they can tell you what teacher, I, I said, what is the real teachers, where's the fake teachers, yeah. who's doing what, what, you know, right, or what have you. The students yeah. know. They yeah. know what they need, and you're designing programs around their needs. The other piece that um, is a major mistake is, you know, this is the way we've always done it, you know, and getting away from that, not, not being willing to be innovative, looking at is it working? We've always opened the doors at seven o'clock, but when we look at our, our attendance, 70% of the kids are not there and they're late. Mm -hmm. Then why are we opening school at seven o'clock? Because your, your, your constituents are telling you that that doesn't work for them. Right. Yeah. So yeah. being able to adjust your programming regarding um, to match what the needs are within the community. So that needs assessment piece will give you a lot of clues as to your, you know, your strategic plan of how you need to set things up. You've yeah. got to have a strategic plan. The one of the um one of the other things is you're not going to be able to do it all at one time. So you've got to identify what are you going to focus on. Having too many initiatives is going to burn out your team. Yeah. So you want to make sure that you identify the top two to three things that you're going to be great at, right? Yeah. Yeah. And focus on those two to three things for three to five years. Okay. Right. Right. And make sure they're high yield strategies that you're going to utilize to really move the agenda forward. Yeah. Investing in your people. You've got to invest in your people. Professional development, professional development, professional development. You've got to be able to implement high quality professional development to make sure your team is able to thrive in this work. 
Yes. You know, sometimes we come in, we've had these different experiences. We've had this professional development and we bring this information to our school district, but to see is to know not only do they need to have the professional development, but they need to be able to go out and see it be, see a strategy being done well, right. To, mm -hmm. you know, be able to go and view it and see it and then be able to process. How do I take this particular strategy and implement it into our ecosystem to make it work? Yeah. So, um, so start out with a needs assessment, really honing in on what the needs are. And then from that needs assessment, identifying what are the three, two to three things that you're going to focus on as a goal, design your professional development on those things to make sure you're going in depth with your team to make sure they become the experts in these particular areas and then monitor like crazy. Make yeah. sure you, you know, mo uh, monitor what you um, expect. Uh, it, it's, a lot of people say um, you want to uh, make sure that you, whatever you expect, that you are going back and making sure that they, it's being done with fidelity. Yeah. And once you do that, you begin to kind of see what needs to happen. Yes. The big thing is not being afraid to fail, fail forward, right? Be yes. able to say, oh my goodness, we implemented that. And we, you know, that, that went terrible. All yes. right. So all we can do is go up from that team. Let's figure out what worked, what didn't work and continue yes. to, you know, focus on that continuous improvement cycle. And yes. like I said, I fell in love with this work uh, because I know that regardless of a student's zip code, regardless of their color, if you put the right resources in mm -hmm. place yes. based on that needs assessment, Every student will be successful, right? And 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 it it has you know the research has 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 supported the idea of of gathering data and information long before you know you make the decisions. You uh you get information that that you use in order to make sound decisions. Um, I, I uh, a, a couple of years ago, I co-authored a an article that's actually published on LinkedIn um, called "The Five Strategic Interview Questions Every Principal Candidate Should Ask," and it it's a very short read. That what we were trying to do is give people set people up for success before they go into a a. Uh, a, a leadership situation, like ask these kinds of questions to see if there's a, a good fit. And so one piece of advice that we, we suggest that you ask about is about your positional authority, is that as the leader, what authority do you have to make certain decisions? Because a lot of times people get into these jobs and they have accountability for things, but they don't have the responsibility. They don't have the real uh, uh, power to make things happen, but they're going to be held accountable for it. How important do you think it was in where you had, in you, you, you were put in these situations, but where then people told you, look, we're going to get out of your way because we brought you in to do this. Now, that's not everyone's experience, but how important was that for you to have the authority to make the decisions? And some of them are hiring and firing, but that's one part of it. I always tell my students and clients that you can't fire your way out of this stuff. That's mm -hmm. not going to work. You got to figure out some ways to get this other ways to get this done. But how important was it for you that you had authority to make the decisions you thought were the right ones? 
So I, I, I like to tell um, people going into leadership a couple of things. One, when you go to an interview, it's an interview, right? You are interviewing for a position, but you're also interviewing that boss to see if this is a person that you want to work with, right? So um, we shouldn't be so hungry for a position or a title that we just accept anything, right? Yeah. So you've got to be in a situation that you have to be, number one, you have to know yourself. You have to know yourself, what type of leader that you want to work for, because you got to be in alignment with whoever it is that's going to be your supervisor. And an insecure leader will destroy our organization, right? So if you're finding yourself, you know, working for an insecure leader that's going to micromanage the process and things of that nature, then you need to run like a wind and find something else to do. So it's important with turnaround work that you hire well. Right. And you need to hire. Um, and so with that being said, going into the position, one of the questions you need to ask is, what is my positional authority? What would I you know, what am I what are my resources? It was interestingly enough, someone reached out to me, um, looked at me up on LinkedIn recently. He was just moved to an alternative school and he was like, I was like, so you need to have some conversations with your assistant superintendent asking what are resources that you have? What are your ability, you know, what, you know, what are the different things you'll be able to do? Are you able to have flexibility in doing certain things in order for you to move the agenda forward? Mm -hmm. That tells you what your framework is to be able to move the agenda forward. So that's important, but also um, utilizing your authority well, right? To be able to say, hey, um, these are the things that I see that I need based on that needs assessment that needs to happen in the, you know, in my school that I'm trying to lead here. Mm -hmm. I need these resources. Can you support me? And if you support me, I know that I can get X results as sure. a result of that, right? Sure. Sure. If I don't get the results, then we can go back and do it your way. Can mm -hmm. you give me that opportunity, that flexibility to kind of make it happen? And so those are the conversations that you've got to be, but that takes you being confident and your ability to do the work. Yes. The other piece is going into a new situation and turn around. If you've never done it before, be open to having a coach to say, hey, can I get a coach? Can I get somebody to support me into this work? Can I get somebody that's going to be a part of my brain trust in order for me to be able to lead this work? Right. In order for you to not, you know, step and make some landmine decisions that will set you back as a particular leader. Right. So coaching is so very important if you're trying to step into turnaround work and you haven't done that work before. You haven't been exposed to it. Uh, absolutely. I love the phrase you just used, uh, uh, brain trust, the people that are a part of of your team. Um, I often tell people uh, now, I used to say, I need some people to support me. I need some people to be my allies. Now I say, I need some co-conspirators. Yes. <laughs> so I, I need people who are going to be just as guilty. You know, when they come for us, they come <laughs> for all of us. Like, I don't, you know, because we, we do have a lot of people that are great at standing on the sideline and cheering us on. But the work now, particularly around turnaround, but, but, and I I don't use the the term education reform much as much as I did before because what it is it's about transformation. Yeah. We have to transform the the education landscape into something else now, and um, not just taking what we had. And that's what I think about reform is taking what we had and and you and and 
just trying to make something new is that we need new components. We, like, we There's some things we got to take out and, and transform it. Um, and, and so I love that you, you called it a brain trust and that you, you a lot of times boards and, and even supervisors say, well, look, we hired you. Uh, and we, if we, if, if you need a coach, maybe we should just hire your coach. And that's the wrong mindset. I tell boards more times than a few in a month that, understand that this is the this is the best in business practices mm -hmm. in fact um uh there's a uh an episode that just occurred where i talked to uh one of my colleagues at the university that's responsible for the coaching program at columbia that teaches people how to help leaders and so yeah. that's a really important aspect um, I do, I know we're almost out of time, but I do, I have another question that's related because when you talk about this brain trust is that you have people that are, are there that I know that you can bounce things off of, that you can, you can get other perspectives, um, which leads me to ask about how important it is to have kind of a critical mass of like-minded colleagues around you. That to me sometimes is under under emphasized, and I'd love to hear your thoughts about it. How just how important is it to have the the, the right number of people that can help you do the work? Yeah. So one of the things I always tell everyone that when you're going into a situation, you're not going to have 100 percent of people on board. Right. Mm -hmm. If you can get 51 percent of your team on board, then guess what? You have that critical mass to kind of move the agenda forward because the other individuals, they're either going to get on board or they're going to get out the way. Once you have, you know, those 51 percent of the people that you're working on a project with that is willing to focus in on the work that's going above and beyond what you need to do for kids, then the other people are either going to get on board or they're going to get left, one or the other. The other thing that I also say is so very important um, with leaders is we've got to make sure that we are so comfortable within our own selves that we hire people that are smarter than us, uh -huh. right? Yeah. And then they have different mindsets because if you're going to hire people that's going to do it the way you do it, then you don't you don't need to be there, right? So I always say, you know, I am a visionary. So I, you know, I dream in black and white. I see the vision. I can go into situations. When I plan, I look at things five years down the road, 10 years down the road, where I want to see it, where I want to, where how I want it to be, you know, and I'm able to set the vision for where we're going. However, I need my assistant to be somebody that dots the I's, cross the T, that's going to tell me how close to the line can we get without all of us getting fired, right? Sure, sure. So you want to make sure that you hire well. What skill sets do you have? Know what your strengths are. Know what your weaknesses are. Making sure that you have someone on your team that could lift those weaknesses and be the, that strength person that you need in those particular areas. So it takes a lot to go into deciding who should be on your team. And then you need to have the skill set to understand that when you go into situations, there may be people that's not in the right place, but they can still be contributors to your team. So it may have to do some moving around on some puzzle pieces to say, mm, this person may not be great at this, but they have some skill sets over here that they could be a great 
person over here and being able to move those pieces around to make sure that not only you got the right people on the bus, but they're in the right seats. So that all plays a part in your ability to all roll in the right direction. I would, um, I uh, had a, one of my leaders that would be on my team would say that when we're rowing and we're rowing toward a goal, if I have one person that's rowing in the wrong direction, are we going to hit our target? We're not, right? So you want to make sure that in every position, you have the right people in that right position to kind of move the agenda forward. And the one of the major mistakes we make too is we sometimes promote the wrong people, mm. right? And yeah. when you promote the wrong people, you put the wrong people in authority, then your great people are going to either um, diminish their work or they're going to leave. So you yeah. want to make sure that you're making great hiring decisions. And it's okay for say someone have been there 10 years and, oh, they've been here 10 years, but they still may not be ready. You know what I'm saying? So it's okay to say, hey, you great, but it's not your time yet, yeah. right? Right now we need this particular skill set and these are the skill sets that you need. One of the things that I do personally and I encourage my team to do is do a professional development self-study on myself every year. I put myself on a professional development plan. Mm -hmm. What are things that I need to work on? What professional development that I need to do for myself? What books I need to read? Those different pieces and how in order for me to be an example of being a lead learner and have that for everybody in your in your team to make sure you are feeding into them and you're developing them so that they can keep continuing this work. The worst thing we can do is a turnaround leader. And that's what happens in most situations. You have a dynamic leader that comes in and do great work. That leader leaves and then everything goes to hell in the handbasket. Yeah. You're doing that community a disservice. Yes. You want to make sure from day one, you're going in with the mindset of who's going to be your replacement. And start succession planning from day one and feeding into those person, those people and making sure they have experience necessary in order for them to be ready to lead. Awesome. Awesome. That's great advice. And so I know uh, we're out of time now that uh, 30 minutes went so fast. Um, I know that you're currently the CEO of your own uh, uh, counseling and education consulting firm, uh, Dynamic Achievement Solutions. Tell yeah. me. Uh, briefly about that and and how can people who who want to get in touch with you where can they follow you any social media handles or anything like that uh, because your skill set I know that there are superintendents and others that are out there listening uh, uh, charter management organization uh, uh, CEOs that could use your your expertise so please uh, let people know how to reach you and and where where they can follow you. Yes, yeah, so Dynamic Achievement Solutions is my company. I'm excited. I am an international consultant. I travel around the country working with school districts, with community organizations, and teaching them how to love on a love on children that need extra love. Um, a lot of my work is based in trauma-informed school turnaround, um, school safety, all those different components to really having an impact to transform communities. Um, my website is www.drletishawoodley.com. DrLatishaWhitley.com. You can reach out to find more about my consulting practice. I'm on all social media platforms as Letitia Whitley, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, all those different pieces. So I'm excited for the opportunity to serve and to work with individuals that really want to truly make a difference in the lives of kids. 
Excellent. Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate you coming on. You've been uh, an, a real asset to me today, and I'm, you've added uh, to my understanding of turnaround. I'm sure others that are listening, uh, the same. Uh, I, I know you are in the Atlanta area, and we we have um, panels and and um, events that we do uh, all over the country. And Atlanta is one of uh, a place where we have a lot of alums. So mm -hmm. I would love to uh, see you at some of those. And if you can make it out, we'll get you on one of those panels because I'm telling you, you are power packed with information that I'm sure our students could use. So um, I, I would love to, to uh, see you on one of those with us. Uh, but thank you again. And until we meet, go well, stay well. Thank you. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.